Welcome to the Ancient World Podcast. So today we're going to continue with Canto 7. We're still in Dante's Paradiso. And we're still in the what they call the lower spheres. So we have th three spheres with the Moon, Mercury, and Venus. And uh, they form a unit, but we're now in the second of those three. And in the last episode, we have the whole speech from Emperor Justinian for the whole story of the Roman Empire, Rome and the Imperial Eagle, from the mythological beginnings with Aeneas, all the way through the kingdoms, the Republic, the Empire, and then the Holy Roman Empire with Charlemagne from 800, up to the day when Dante was living in Florence. So it's an interesting thing with the next canto. It's a huge contrast. So canto six is a very rational, intellectual, fact-oriented about history. And now there's more about theology and this kind of the, the parallel of the spiritual history from the preceding canto. And uh, there are three main questions that Dante is uh, concerned about, which is uh, why Titus had to destroy, why it was just of Titus, the emperor Titus, to destroy Jerusalem in 72, and then why the crucifixion was necessary. And he also wonders about the elements, the f like the material world, why it's corrupted, and especially the four elements, which was the, the way they were thinking at the time, with fire and uh, air and water and earth. And this is the last one from the, from the sphere of Mercury. So it starts with this. Husanna Sanctus Deus Sabuath, super illustruans claritate tua, felices ignes horum malakoth. This is a, a hymn with the voice of Justinian, and it's a mixture of Latin and Hebrew. Singing these words, I saw him start to whirl to his own melody. This soul by twin lights fused and tued into one. Euroli. This is how Dante is describing Justinian. And the twin lights could mean different things. It could mean, like, it's this light in light. It could be the wisdom and the grace combined. It can be also the emperor, like the predestination of the emperor and divinity at the same time. So this duality. And also, this is more and more coming than like the, the spirits and the souls have more and more intense light, and then gradually they will become much stronger than the background. And all the others joined him in the dance, and then like shooting sparks, they instantly went disappearing into sudden space. So this was like the more than a thousand souls that had come in the last canto, and now they're disappearing. I stood there hesitant. Speak, speak to her, I told myself. Speak to your lovely lady, who slakes your thirst with her sweet drops of truth. But the great awe that dominates my being, even at the mention of just be or each, made me lower my head like someone dozing. This is just the, the first the first syllable, like Beatrice, be or each, the last one. And there's also in Italian there's some kind of like it's the endearment version will be beach for Beatrice. 
Not long did Beatrice let me suffer before announcing with a glowing smile that would rejoice a man condemned to burn. My intuition, which is never wrong, informs me that you do not understand how just vengeance can justly be avenged. So now she's pointing to the crucifixion and then Titus destroying Jerusalem afterwards. But I can quickly free your mind from doubt. Now listen well, for what I have to say contains the doctrine of important truths. Because for his own good, he would not let his will be curbed, the man who knew no birth, damning himself, damned all his progeny. Therefore the human race lay sick below within their errors for long centuries, until the word of God chose to descend. This is from, from uh, Adam. The man of no birth is Adam. Adam also in Hebrew mean the word Adam, the name Adam is Adama. And Adama means literally in biblical Hebrew soil and also lifeblood, blood and lifeblood. So the name Adama is, is, is a symbol also for, for the earth and the lifeblood. So he continues. There, moved by his unselfish love alone, he took unto himself in his own being that nature which had wandered from its maker. Now listen to my reasoning. Once joined with his first cause, this nature was, as it had been when first created, pure and good. But by itself alone, by its own act, having abandoned truth and a true life, out of God's holy garden, it was chased. This is the beginning story of the Garden of Eden and the, the first sin and then the humans were then thrown out of the garden. Then, if the crucifixion can be judged as punishment of that nature assumed, no penalty could bite with greater justice. Just as none could be judged as more unjust, considering the person who endured it, with whom that other nature was combined. Thus, one event produced different effects. God and the Jews, both pleased by this one death, for which earth shook and heaven opened wide. So this is it's important to remember this is 700 years ago in the medieval times, and this was the view that they had, that as Dante is mentioning, the Jews were pleased to have Jesus executed. And then when this happened, the earth is shaking. So there was, an, in the Gospels, like there's a big earthquake when the, when the Christ figure dies on the cross uh, and the heaven opens wide. Now, it should not be difficult for you to understand the concept of just vengeance being avenged in time by just decree. So what he's saying here is that the destruction of Jerusalem in the view of, of the times, in the medieval times, was a just consequence of the crucifixion. But now I see your mind is all entangled with one thought or an, and another, and you wait with eagerness for me to lose the knot. So this ties into the, this theme from the beginning of the book, which is about learning, and then that you grow spiritually through having questions and doubts and wonders about the mysteries, and asking the questions and then gaining more understanding. And then, you, in this case, Dante then grows in his kind of the spiritual strength and intensity. And this was always and also <laughs> reflected in Beatrice as they move along. So, this is 
at this point in the story when she says that he see that his mind is entangled and then she is going to lose the knot this is a part of the spiritual growth you say i clearly understand your words but why god did not choose some other way for our redemption still remains unclear the reason brother for that choice lies buried from all men's eyes until their inner sight has grown to ripeness in the warmth of love. Nevertheless, since men have always aimed their arrows at this mark, they rarely strike, I shall explain why this choice was the best. Just meaning that for many this is a mystery and they try to understand, but they, they fail to understand it. So now she's going to, to explain this. Divine goodness which from itself rejects all envy, sparkles so that it reveals the eternal beauties burning in itself. That which derives directly from his being, from then on is eternal, for his seal, once it is stamped, can never be erased. That which derives directly from his being is wholly free, not subject to the law of secondary things. Created thus, it most resembles him, most pleases him. The sacred flame which lights all of creation burns brightest in what is most like himself. And most like himself is the humans and the angels. So what she's, what she's building up here is the argument about the difference between what is originally created from the divinity and what is secondary created. And the secondary is then will be corrupted and is not eternal and is more full of faults. These are the gifts with which humanity was privileged. And if it fails in one of these, it must fall from its noble state. So the two gifts are the immortal soul and the freedom of the will. Sin is the only power that takes away man's freedom and his likeness to true good. It makes him shine less brightly in its light. Nor can he win back his lost dignity unless the void left by that sin be filled by just amends paid for illicit joy. Your nature, when it sinned once and for all, in its first root was exiled from these honors and it was dispossessed of paradise. Nor could mankind recover what was lost, as you will see if you think carefully, except by crossing one of these two fords. So fort is a shallow part of a river that you have to go through a little obstacle. Either that God simply through clemency should give remission, or that man alone to pay his debt of folly should atone. So this is a, it's a long argument, but it the main the main point she's making is that for the original sin how like the consequence of that could be one of two things it could be through mercy like the so things you could be make like you could get redemption through either mercy or through justice or some kind of atonement or punishment now fix your eyes on the infinity of the eternal counsel, listen well, as well as you are able to my words. Given his limits, man could never make amends. Never in his humility could man, obedient too late, descend as far as once in disobedience he tried to climb. That means that 
it's beyond the capability of of humans to to make like to she said there to atone for this original sin because it was so serious that there's no atonement that would make a balance this is again like in the, the theology of the catholic church and the medieval thinking thus it remained for god in his own ways his ways i mean in one of them or both so either mercy or justice to bring man back to his integrity so this is the kind of the choice one or the other or both of them but since the deed gratifies more the doer the more it manifests the inner goodness of the good heart from which it springs, so then that everlasting goodness which has set its imprint on the world was pleased to use all of its means to raise you up once more. Meaning that it was better to use two ways of, of uh, redeeming the, the first sin than just one of them. For God, who made himself, gave even more so that mankind might raise itself again than if he simply had annulled the debt. And any other means would have been less than justice if God's only Son had not humbled himself to take on mortal flesh. But now, to satisfy all your desires, I go back to explain a certain point so that you may perceive it as I do. So now she's, she's made a whole argument of why the crucifixion was necessary to, to redeem the original sin and then out of two choices of how to make this redeem possible, redemption possible then the, the divine chose both both alternatives to give even more back to humanity and now she moves to the the last of the three main questions in this canto about the elements and why this the material world is being corrupted you think i see that fire i see that air that water earth and all which they compose last but a little while and then decay and yet all of these are God's creation. And so if what you said before is true, should they not be secure against decay? The angels, brother, and all this pure space around us were created, all agree, just as they are, unchanging and entire. So now she is referring to the space like they're in the heavens. So in the Empyrean, the angels, the spheres of the heavens, all of this is created by divinity and they are then unchanging and entire. The elements, however, that you named and all those things produced from them are given, they form by powers that are themselves created. So meaning they are secondary. Created was the matter they contain. Created too was the informing power within the constellations circling them. In the star constellations. The soul of every animal and plant is drawn from a potentiated complex by the star's rays and by the sacred motion. So this meaning that the material world, but also the soul of the animals and the plants, are drawn from, from the stars, but not directly from divinity. So it's, it's, the stars then are filled with this blended form of different qualities of the divine, and that's where the plants and the animals get them from this is also important there's lots of aristotle in this the four elements is from aristotle also that they belong in different as a sequence so first you get the earth and then water is above the earth and then 
air is about above that and then fire is on the top and the elements will, will always seek their right place in this hierarchy of the four levels and the other part is that uh, aristotle had this so he talked about plants and animals and humans as three levels of of living beings so animals can reproduce but they cannot move so that's the first level the animals can reproduce and move so they're the second and then humans are the third level and they have the rational intellect which made them separate from the rest and now comes the, the last part of the canto which is a really nice one but the supreme beneficence breathes forth forth your life directly filling it with love for him whom it desires evermore from what i have just said you may infer your resurrection if you will recall how human flesh first came into its being when our first parents came into the world so what she's saying here is that the since the human soul is is uh, created directly from divinity and the divine and f so it's created directly and then filled with love that will make us desire to get back to divinity always so it's kind of built into the soul this love and this yearning to return back to the divine and then she continues so that you may infer from this if you recall how human flesh first came into being so this little passage is from Genesis 2, sorry, Genesis 1, chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So what she's saying then between the lines is that because of this soul and because men and like our physical bodies are formed out of the ground, out of the soil, uh, this could happen again. That's, this is why resurrection after death we could be resurrected because this is the the mechanism of which <laughs> humans in the medieval thinking how they were created from the first parents okay so that's the whole of canto seven and um, this is the last part of uh, of the second sphere of mercury and again it's a huge contrast to the one before and uh, it shows again the, the whole frame story structure of the paradise also how many different things Dante is putting into this book but also how he's using contrast so you like it it embodies so much there's so many things embedded in the whole story and then in this case the, the contrast is important and it's a bit the same in the first and second book as well that the the sixth, sixth canto is about huge events but it's also rational and then the seventh canto is uh, a, a deeper explanation about the nature of fortune or the negligence of princes is the purgatory and here is then the divine intervention the divine providence so we're going to stop it here and then this canto has 148 lines and then next time we're going to look at the third sphere of the heavens so as always Hope some of this was interesting or inspiring or some food for thought. And thank you so much for listening and have a great day.